Thank you. I invite any of you who wish to sit for 20 minutes with a bit of anxiety and also have something that you feel compelled to share with the Sangha to consider doing a Dharma talk. So thank you for hearing my nervousness and allowing me to just relax. And thank you, Mado <laughs> and Shulong. So I, when I wrote this Dharma talk on Tuesday, I entitled it Sangha, the Third Jewel. When I first met Mado last July, I explained to her that I had been seeking Sangha for many years. And she told me that Sangha is the third jewel. And I loved that. Today, I really feel more compelled to call Sangha the refuge, the third refuge. And this is on the tale of two days of very difficult times. So I am glad to have the Sangha as the third refuge today. So I'll start by sharing some of Thich Nhat Hanh's words on the Sangha. From the heart of the Buddha's teaching, he writes, I take refuge in the Buddha, the one who shows me the way in this life. I take refuge in the Dharma, the way of understanding and love. I take refuge in the Sangha, the community that lives in harmony and awareness. He also writes, looking into any of the three jewels, you see the other two, Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, inter are. If you look after the Sangha, you are looking after the Buddha. When your Sangha is happy and advancing in the practice, the holiness of the Sangha increases and the presence of the true Buddha and the true Dharma become clearer. And Mado told me that Thich Nhat Hanh claimed, claims in the 21st century, the Sangha is the Buddha. So all of my life, I have sought Sangha. As a young child growing up in a very secular family, I loved the times when my grandmother would visit from Michigan and take me to the local Catholic church. There was something very mysterious and magical about the liturgy, the sacraments, the smells and sounds, the community. At 13, I convinced my mother to start taking me to mass and we were both given the sacrament of confirmation together, confirming that we truly did in fact belong in that community. Over the years, this yearning for spiritual community continued and I found opportunities for shared spiritual experiences, ranging from active participation in a thriving Lutheran congregation in my hometown of Hollidaysburg, to drum circles, meditation retreats, and yoga teacher training. Being a part of a group who share the goal of spiritual growth has always been very nurturing to me. 
Despite having found something special in each of these communities, I always came to a point where things just didn't fit anymore. In the Lutheran Church, I was uh, pulled into activities that were somewhat peripheral to my desire for spiritual knowledge and growth. I didn't mind doing the work of the church, such as serving potluck dinners or being a reader on Sundays, but I found myself resenting the social strata of that congregation, where your works were your sign of faith. The foundation of Lutheranism, after all, is grace over works, but this particular congregation's currency was work. The drum circle group was a blast. It was a huge group of people who followed a charismatic former rock drummer who hosted annual events. It was fun to go to what we called adult camp for a few days to drum and dance and create art and be a pseudo hippie. I even went to a retreat in France with part of this group. I have many friends from this group, but being part of a tribe, as they call it, just really wasn't my thing. Yoga and meditation were also practices which led me to like-minded people. In yoga teacher training, our group bonded closely as we learned and grew in our practice. I eventually opened a yoga studio and created our own community of practitioners, which was very rewarding. Time challenges led me to sell the studio to my teacher, and she creates, continues to create a strong yoga community. It is a joy to have been part of that, but I was also still seeking a more spiritual experience. I do love yoga, but I really don't want to stand on my head. I really want to overcome my head. 11 years ago, I started practicing Transcendental Meditation. I was on a weekend retreat and I was instructed by an old hippie from Somerset, Pennsylvania. He had been one of the original Siddhas, also known as yogic flyers. They do claim that they fly in their practice. Uh, my teacher was one of the first in the 1970s to head out to Fairfield, Iowa, where the Maharashi had set up a transcendental meditation or community on the promise of bliss. I don't think that my teacher found bliss, but he did invest a lot of money and he actually came out as a meditator, as a devoted meditator, which he claims saved his life from drugs and alcohol. Today, you can be taught TM for $2,500. And according to the TM website, a published meta-analysis of 42 studies reported the effect of TM on overall self-actualization was approximately three times as large as that of any other form of meditation and relaxation. I suppose that's worth the ticket price. If you want to read an interesting account about what it was really like in Fairfield during the late 70s, the book Greetings from Utopia recounts the story of a young girl whose mother moved their family there. Very interesting story. Regardless, TM was a very good practice for me over the years, and it brought me to Oan as a practice meditator. a community that I would not have wanted to be part of, but had to surrender to, 
is my community of mothers who have a child in addiction. My 32-year-old daughter started on her path at the age of 18, and it took me 10 years to find and embrace a family recovery community, which has saved me from so much heartache and has probably been the catalyst for the great, greatest amount of spiritual and emotional maturity in my lifetime. And I need to take a breath before I share this, which I didn't include in my written talk, but I spent the last two days with another mom, a dear friend of mine, um, and uh, it was really tough. But I'm called by that community to support other moms. Really tough, tough stuff. <laughs> So whether a cancer survivor, a survivor of suicide, a survivor of family trauma, or any kind of heartache that life brings, allowing ourselves to rely on others' experience, strength, and hope is one of the most significant ways that we can surrender and survive these things. So how did I find Owan after all these years of traveling down so many paths? Google. Last July, I randomly decided to Google Buddhism in Center County. Eureka, Owan. So here I am a year later speaking to you as a committed member and also the board secretary Yes, I got recruited early on of the Oan Sangha. I asked Mito if I might offer today's Dharma talk because I wanted to share my deep regard and gratitude for having found Oan and all of you. One of my favorite quotes is from Ram Das, who said, we are all just walking each other home. I feel this way at Oan. In our householder lives, we're all on different paths, but here we follow each other step by step and we walk together. I want to share some of my thoughts on what makes Oan and this Sangha so special. There is no hierarchy. We are all in different places in life and in our practice yet we all sit together. The diversity of the Sangha is very special to me. Being from a rural area in Pennsylvania, this has been a deficit in my life and I'm grateful to have this at Owan. Our beautiful Zendo in the woods. I'm so grateful to have this sacred place to visit. I see Shilong gazing around feeling the same. It, this is truly more magical to me here than those visits to the Catholic Church with my grandmother. Our teacher Mado, her generosity of spirit in sharing so much of herself and all that she has worked for shows us the true hallmark of Zen. And finally, the opportunity to serve. I'm happy to perform SAMU in any way that I can. And unlike the work from the Lutheran Church, I know the work of the Zendo does not earn me merit, but it is instead for the growth of my practice and the benefit of the Sangha. 
At Oan, the jewel of the Sangha is one to be cherished and protected. And I might add the refuge as well. Coming together on this shared path is one way that we do this. We share Sunday services, Thursday book studies. There will be opportunities in the future to once again share Orioki and retreats. Being online has grown our Sangha into a worldwide community. Being together in practice offers each of us the opportunity to look deeply at how we are living the noble eightfold path in our lives. Speaking of the noble eightfold path and all of the other teachings, having left Christianity somewhere in the late 90s, I developed a curiosity about Buddhism about 20 years ago. I read a bit about it. I even bought the book Buddhism for Dummies. I don't even know if they make those books anymore. But I decided at that time it was too hard of a path to follow. I had no problem with the Four Noble Truths, but the Noble Eightfold Path sounded like it wouldn't be much fun, particularly right action, which would lead to a life of vegetarianism, celibacy, no beer, no wine. My life has changed dramatically since I first looked at Buddhism. And though I am still new to the practice, I have found that there is a path to liberation. And all of you are on this journey beside me, in front of me, behind me, but all together in Sangha. Thich Nhat Hanh said, it is well worth investing in the Sangha. If you sow seeds in arid land, few seeds will sprout. But if you select a fertile field and invest your wonderful seeds in it, the harvest will be bountiful. Building a Sangha, supporting a Sangha, being with a Sangha, receiving the support and guidance of a Sangha is the practice. As the third jewel and the third refuge in our practice, what are the ways that we can help to fortify our Sangha? I thought of some ideas. We can come to Sunday practice and Thursday book study. We can offer weekly dana. We can become members by making an annual contribution to Oan. We can practice Samu, work practice here at the Zendo, or by bringing our talents and skills to the business side of Oan. We can reach out to each other when we notice someone is struggling. We can share, we can gather together to share Orioki and retreats when that time comes. We can even share Oan's Facebook and YouTube Dharma Talks with anyone who may be interested. We can purchase incense, candles, cleaning supplies, anything that we know the Sangha might need. We can have Dokusan with Mado and offer her Donna for sharing her wisdom. 
we can bring our voices into the Sangha during practice and book study. I will end with these words again from Thich Nhat Hanh. In Christianity, every member of the church is said to be part of the body of Christ. In Buddhism, we say that each Sangha member is like a hand or a leg of the Buddha. When we live in, according, in accord with the teachings of the Buddha, we are members of one body. If we practice the precepts well and realize deep concentration and understanding, our Sangha can arrive at liberation from afflictions. Even when liberation is not yet total, people can look at our community and appreciate the loving and harmonious atmosphere. We can practice, when we practice understanding and love, we are a real Sangha, a fertile field in which good seeds will surely flower. <laughs>